Sound of Fire and Soul, a community where leaders gather to unite in sovereignty in today's world. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, a seasoned and heart-centered coach and mentor on a mission to take you on a journey of self-empowerment with weekly guidance and channeled wisdom. Fire and Soul features brave and daring conversations with extraordinary leaders who have awakened from the illusion to help you claim sovereign leadership in life, love, and entrepreneurship. Let's listen, learn, and stand together as models for our new world, starting now. This is a really special episode, and I'm so excited that you are here because you get to meet a new friend of mine that uh, I have been called to work with, Mr. Michael Eisen. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> so excited that you're here. Have you been on a podcast yet? I just recorded one with the with your friend Sarah, who uh, who you pointed me to. But yeah, no. Other than that, no. This is kind of a new experience for me, so it's exciting. Oh, so cool! I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, this is so awesome to have you here and to be talking about what we're going to talk about. My listeners are very aware, obviously, about everything that's going on in the world and and uh, the urgency around uh, standing up, rising up, speaking up to stop uh, the Great Reset. And that, that begins with the, uh, the VAX mandates. And I know you're on the same page and you've got something really special to talk about today. But how about a little bit of your backstory? I'll go there first. And then I want to let everyone know how I met you. And then we'll just continue to dive in. Sounds good. So... I guess to give some just some very brief preface to my backstory, I have always been someone who has questioned what I've been told to do. So I never really did well with kind of listening to orders or directions. I always felt like in my own mind that I had to find my own way, what made sense to me. And I was not really one for conforming or falling in line. And, and uh, so I think that 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 baseline has given me the opportunity to see through through things in a little bit more of an easier way than most people. I always felt like I needed my voice to be heard and I always felt like I needed to express my truth and it took me a while to figure out what that was. With regards to this specific awakening from the mass hypnosis, one of my best friends is really big into the world of conspiracies. You know, it's interesting that I don't call them theories because most of them always come true. And I would have these deep conversations with him and he would like open my mind to everything. And then I would be like, wow, like this all seems very possible, but because it never really affected me in my own life, I just never really gave it the time or the energy because I just had so much else on my plate to focus on. And so it was very early on in the pandemic that everything started to become real for me. You know, when I started being being told that I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that or I had to do this or had to do that, it didn't sit well with me. And that really sparked it for me because it was like, okay, I'm very aware of all of the corruption that's going on. I'm very aware that the government is broken. I'm very aware that the system we have created is broken, but I was never really sparked to do anything about it. And now it's like you're affecting my direct world, my inner activists started storming out of me and I had all of this anger. And then I started to do all this research and expose myself to so many different rabbit holes that I went down. It was a very intense 
six months of just constantly listening to content and talking to a few friends about it and really opening my mind to, to all sorts of possibilities. Uh, that was literally March of 2020, like right around the time when the world shut down, my mind opened up and everything began. And I guess, wow, I can't believe I'm almost two years to that point. Isn't that crazy? And Michael, what have you been doing uh, career-wise up until this point? And has your awakening been impacted, your career been impacted by your awakening journey? I've been running my own wellness business for about 12 years. I started my own business when I was 25 called the Youth Wellness Network, and I brought wellness programs into schools. So I was in schools training students, teachers, and parents on mindfulness and emotional intelligence and self-esteem and self-worth and really things that I think were very much missing in my own childhood and in my own education. My vision and my goal was to really help young people and the people who supported young people to avoid a lot of the massive challenges and breakdowns that I experienced in the first 18 years of my life. Uh, Then after working in over 100 different schools and speaking to over 70,000 students and teachers and parents, I burnt out. And Mm -hmm. I realized my next passion was in actually helping other wellness entrepreneurs really grow and expand and launch their business online. And so I started to do that informally. And then that very much, very quickly took a uh, a turn for its own. And and I started having all these clients and, and it was right around the time that I burnt out from one, I kind of pivoted to the next. And so the past six years, I've really been focusing on that. I I run a five-month container for aspiring and or established wellness entrepreneurs who want to bring their business online called Ground and Grow Your Sacred Platform. I work with Mm -hmm. clients one-on-one. And the answer to the question is yes and no. My school-based business was still running and I had a business partner and I scaled it to the point where I could just oversee things and not actually be the trainer, but it's pretty much been decimated. Schools are not bringing support resources into into, uh, their, their environment anymore. We've developed online programming, but our business probably got hit by like 90% deduction. But I think it also sparked a massive increase in my my business coaching and helping wellness entrepreneurs bring their business online because it became even more relevant for individuals to be able to launch and run a successful business online. So that kind of took off and, and made up for the decrease in the other on the other side. And as I started to speak out over the past two years, I just I think for me the biggest thing was I was never worried about it affecting my business because I just wasn't going to let it. And, you know, and for me, it was like, this is more important than anything else. And I can't keep this in anymore. As a result of that, honestly, I would say 80% of the people who take our program or work with me one-on-one uh, are on the same wavelength and see the same things and are awakening to the same things. There's still 20% that don't and are on a different page and see things very much in an opposite perspective. But I believe that like, I can still work with and support somebody who sees things differently from me, whether it be just not talking about those things and focusing on the things that we do see eye to eye on, or finding a way through that polarization to find common ground uh, is something that I'm really, really passionate about because I think we all need that desperately right now more than ever. Oh, for sure. Uh, When you say wellness entrepreneurs, what do you mean by that? So pretty much anybody who associates themselves as a healer, a teacher, a coach, a practitioner, 
anybody in the realm of mindful movement like yoga or martial arts or Zumba, anybody in the realm of the healing arts like Reiki or alchemy or anybody who associates themselves as like a life coach or a coach of many other things, a health coach, nutritionist, et cetera. And I, you know, I, I do try to work with individuals that want to bring their business online, but I still work with people who are like estheticians and Chinese medicine doctors and chiropractors in really growing their brick and mortar business as well. And I love the title, by the way, Grow Your Sacred Platform. And it is. And it makes sense, too. I uh, resonate with the 80 to maybe 90 percent of my participants in my programs are on the same sort of journey, if you will. And some aren't. And I do the exact same thing, either just avoid the conversation altogether on focus, you know, on the unity and what we have in common and what we're working toward together, if that's the case, or learning how to navigate that extreme polarization. So I want to just come full circle and and explain or share uh, how I came to meet you. So I just did a solo. So my listeners here are coming off of my first episode of January called This One Question Will Change Your Life. And it's all about intentional living and knowing your one word and your one intention and embodying that. So my word is awakening. Many of them know that. And on the journey of last year, when my one word intention was curiosity, and boy, did that shape my entire world and transform my old reality into something brand new. And so I let go of a couple of coaches and pricey, fancy teachers uh, that I thought would take me to the seven figure a year mark. And nothing felt aligned inside that guidance. And so I let it go, not knowing what was going to come. But like you expressing, like when the school agenda and endeavor was starting to, you know, dissipate on some level, another door opened. And so Right at about that same time, my friend Andrea Grousman, who's actually been on the show too, she's the co-founder of Power Peace Fur Babies. This is a whole full circle moment. She shared that your wife, Miss Hillary Fay, was doing this joint workshop with uh, Sat Devbeer, who's also been on the show. And I was like, I don't do free workshops. Seriously, I just, I really don't. Like, I'd rather just pay because I believe that when you've got some skin in the game, right? And so that's the way I've always operated. But she was like, mm, you might really enjoy this from, from some of our conversations that we've been having. Because I was just like hungry, starving, craving, just praying for spiritual guidance that would be sort of the overall for everything in life. And then I did. I went to the workshop. I fell in love with Hillary. Uh, signed up for her five-month program called Mansion of the Heart University with Sat. And we're about halfway through that. And somewhere along the way, she just got this hit. She was like, you need to meet my husband. Michael is a strong force for good. And the two of you have so much in common. And at the time, she didn't say anything about maybe us working together or anything. She's just like, come down, have dinner. Let us make a meal for you. And let's just explore this you know, connection. And within a very short period of time, you and I were like, oh my gosh, let's do something together. And I'm getting full body chills right now. So can you share what that moment was like for you when we were on the phone and exploring what could be possible if we were fucking brave enough? Sorry, I'm just going to save it, say it, just to rise up and do something that most aren't doing. It's deafening, deafening right now, the silence out there with some of the leaders that I used to follow. So why you, why me, and why now? What a what a loaded question. All right. Okay. So, start with why you. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say this. I think for me, I've always been 
an action-oriented person. Honestly, I feel like sometimes my physical well-being depends on me taking action or me expressing what I need to express. I'm a very vocal person. I've gone through a lot of physical ailments and a lot of it is as a result of me suppressing my own voice and my own truth. So I've learned early on in my life, I can't keep stuff in. So very early on, as I started to snap out of break the spell, snap out of the hypnosis, I just, I just started posting on Facebook and sharing my opinions. And, and that, you know, was, was a very interesting process because both was very rewarding to see that there's so many others out there doing that, but also very confrontational in the sense that I had some really nasty, mean things thrown at me that were really unwarranted and undeserving. And all I wanted to do was have a conversation. And all people were afraid to do was have a conversation. So why me? Because I am an expert conversationalist. And all I need is people to have a conversation with. And I've been desperate looking to have conversations with people about this for two years. And I was very angry and frustrated. And I didn't know how to to direct that anger and that frustration and that emotional instability. I've just recently, over the past few months, discovered that my role in all of this is to help everybody else get off of the emotional roller coaster, find the cause that they're most suited and aligned with find their role within that cause and take empowered action upon that because that's what I've always done in my own life. And so why me? Well, I feel like a lot of people right now are caught on the emotional roller coaster and don't even know necessarily what specifically their cause is or their role within that and are petrified to take any kind of empowered action. And so that I feel like is is part of my zone of genius in this specific time to help people with that. And honestly, like I was, I wouldn't say afraid, but a little bit stagnant to do this on my own. You know, it was like, I, it's, it's intimidating. And I felt like wanting to do something and take action upon this for six months. And I just didn't really know exactly the, the framework or how it was going to look, how it was going to be structured, et cetera. And so in that call with you, and, and in having that conversation, it was like, okay, I'm going to bring this idea to you. You, funny enough, were, experience, were having something similar that was coming up for you. And it's like, well, you know, why don't we just collaborate and do this together? Because the power is in togetherness and in unity. And um, being able to support each other in that process makes it so much more grounded and real. And so I think that that's why it's me. And I think that's why that I think that our partnership and collaboration is so important because I want to be inspiring other people to do the same thing. Uh, because I think the, the world right now needs more and more people. And I, I hate being cliche, but like stand up in the sense that like, I'm no longer afraid to share my opinions and stand for what I think is right. And I don't know what the hell that's going to look like yet, but I'm going to take a, a step, a step towards it each new day to get me to where I want to be. And, you know, I think in that process, we all need each other now more than ever. And we're now all more isolated. It's funny, uh, and I don't want to go too long winded, but I, I, I was telling Hillary this like many, many months ago, as I was listening to all these different content providers. And I'm like, why can't we get all these people on one specific network? We need like a council or something of, of minds to be supporting each other instead of everybody doing their own individual thing. We need to all come together and support each other because it's 
it's what's going to make this become more grounded and real and, and make a bigger difference. So I feel like that's what we're creating and I'm super excited about it. I am too. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, so I had been working on something called Sovereign Circle and I had put it out with maybe an email and a, maybe one social post and it just wasn't time. I wasn't ready. I didn't know how much I needed what I now refer to as my spiritual rehab coming to stay with my mom, right? I haven't lived with my mom since I was 17 years old, but she lives on this beautiful piece of property with big, tall trees and deep roots. And I would sit in her backyard and I hadn't had a backyard since basically ever because um, I was always in condo living and or apartment living. And I was just like every day in that backyard, like rooting down, rooting down, relaxing, unwinding, breathing. And I got that for four and a half months. And so I was like, okay, I am rooted and ready to rise. And that's about the same time that you showed up to have this conversation. And I wanted to circle back on something that you kind of glossed over really quickly just to unpack it, because this is where I think so many people that are awake, but are frozen in silence are stuck. And it's that they don't want to come across those conversations. Well, there's two different ways I want to go about this. The people who don't want to have the conversation that you spoke about, I want to talk about why they don't want to have that conversation. Those are the ones who maybe have been following, complying, just, you know, anything Fauci, Biden or their doctor says they wouldn't even question it. Right. No matter what they're hearing. And so there's that. And then there's the other people that are awakened to that jabbed or unjabbed. I hate to say jabbed, but injected or not. And they're still not speaking up. It's deafening. Right. So there's two camps. But can we start with the ones who they might be hearing things, but they're going to just disregard it. Why do you think, in your opinion, they're unwilling to have a conversation? So are these individuals, so let's just clarify a little bit more so I can understand. So are these individuals who are aware that there's something going on, but they're afraid to kind of even talk about it or mention it? Or Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I'm not I, talking I, about one Really good distinction. You've heard about mass formation, right? And the three yep. different sort of piles that humanity is in. So you got like supposedly 30% that like they're never even going to look up or even open their ear. It's just don't even talk to me. You are conspiracy yep. theorist and anti-vaxxer and you belong in prison, right? Um, then you've got a middle group that might have gotten inoculated but they're hearing things from a lot of people. They're seeing things. They're beginning to get a sense, but they're not speaking up. And then you've got the camp that you and I are in. So really it's the middle camp because the ones that are all in, I don't really know what to say at that point. It's like, God bless you. I will keep praying that one day you do wake up and it's not too late, but I'm not judging that you're there, but I'm also not going to work to try to get you to wake up. So it's that middle group of mass formation. Yeah. And, I, and just to comment, I think maybe both of us have had an experience with that, that group that is just not willing to see anything. And I really do believe that cognitive dissonance is really preventing a lot of people from seeing outside of what their conditioning and programming is allowing them to do. And I agree with you. I just don't think it's the best use of our time and our energy, our precious, precious internal resources. And it's up to them to, to find their way. But I agree with you, that middle group and that middle group is so crucial um, and so diverse, but so diverse, so diverse in beliefs. Politically, right? Spiritually, oh economically, like ethnically, it's, it's really, really multifaceted. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, and what I've noticed is a common character trait with the individuals who are in that middle group is that they're willing to take the questioning to a certain level and then 
each of them has a, a breaking point where it's like, okay, I'm not willing to, or not able to, or maybe not aware of to go past this limitation because I'm afraid to be able to see what's on the other side of that. So they're questioning certain things. They maybe don't support the mandates or they don't support lockdowns or they recognize that there is early treatments. And, and it's not just all COVID stuff. It's like they recognize that it's there's this division that's happening and they don't believe it and they don't want it and they don't agree with it. They don't agree with the way that we're being educating our forcing our kids to educate them in certain things they don't agree with. So there's there's certain things that they align with and certain things that maybe they're either afraid or or subconsciously not willing to to look at that just yet. But those individuals, the fact that they're willing to question something is huge, is huge. And the, the one most important thing I would say is that allow the questioning to lead into more questioning. Because what, what happened for, I think, the both of us was that it was so radical that it was like, it went from like not questioning anything to questioning everything in such a very short period of time. And I, I think that that's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Like, I think we're all petrified of the unknown, whether we want to admit it or not. Some might be just slightly scared of it. Some might just be very scared of it. But I think we're all relatively uncomfortable with the unknown. And I think the unknown plays a huge role in this conversation. Because regardless of where you stand in any of these three groups, the unknown is is forever, forever present. And I really don't think there's a way of cracking it. So I'm bringing it back to the original question. And the original question was, it: how do we get through to them? How do we support them? What, like, what is the, the vision that we want to do with that middle group? Is it like, how do we, or why is it that they're not willing to go past a certain threshold? Because I feel like that conversation could go in multiple directions, right? Yeah, for sure. And so what keeps coming up for me is something that just happened over the, the holidays. And it's, I'm not going to say who it was, but someone I'm extremely close with uh, in my immediate family. And they shared with someone at our gathering, not me, I heard about it later and, and it just really shook my perspective into a place of massive empathy because this person is very smart, very educated and has done two injections considering the booster and said, I just feel so dumb. How did I get fooled like this? I feel so embarrassed that I was that dumb. Now, I'm not saying everyone feels that way, but even if just a small percentage are, it's like even in our languaging around taking our stands, holding firm, right? Refusing to bow, not another inch. This really opened up my mind and my heart to, whoa, hold up. There are people that are waking up that are in that middle section, let's just say, that they don't want to be deemed stupid or dumb because they're like, what have I done? And so then they might close back down again. Cause it's like, if I look at all of that, it's way too painful. And it might have me question every choice I've ever made in life. Yeah. Right. So it was just, Ooh, that was, it was just really deep for me. And so I just really wanted to shed some light on that for anyone who's listening. That's in those really difficult conversations with people that you love and care about. It's like, we don't know what they're thinking. We don't really know what they're thinking, you know? And that's, yeah. And that's honestly, I think a big part of navigating the polarization that exists right now is that I think we're always so quick to uh, make an assumption in terms of, oh, well, if someone says this, then they must believe this, or they must see this, or this must be the circumstance that they're facing. 
And I think that we're not doing a good enough job as humanity right now, really getting an understanding of where each individual is coming from. And yes, you have a perspective, but why do you have that perspective? And what's what's feeding that perspective? And is there the opportunity to have conversation around that perspective? So, and I, and I see this even on like in people in our camp where it's like, they're, they're so quick to judge the other side or or any other individual, you know, so for example, it's like, well, you decided to get the jab. So it's like, well, you're the fool. You got to, you got to sleep in the bed you made. Well, like, where's our compassion and our empathy? Like, it's not their fault that they got it. They just followed the programming that they were conditioned to believe. It's the people who's conditioning them to believe that, that we need to be fighting against. It's not them. Right. Exactly, Michael. This brings up something I remember like kind of when I was first coming out with this truth that I'm here to serve on my podcast. And it was just like at one point I was crying because I was like shaking, so scared to say anything. It was deeply intimidating to me as well. And I started here and uh, and I remember saying something like, you know, instead of being so mad at us, please know we're just trying to help you, like trying to save. Right. And that got a little backlash. It was like, yeah. Really? But now, several months later, as we start to see, I mean, the media analytics prove itself. Can I read you something in case you hadn't seen this? Okay, thank you. Let me just quickly find it. This came out for Q3 of media ratings and the sources Nielsen and Spotify. And this is average viewers per month. So while we may still be under this sort of illusion that the mainstream narrative has power Not so true by these numbers. So the Joe Rogan experience, my friend, over 11 million average viewers per show, per show. He's doing like several shows a week. Now, then it goes to Tucker Carlson tonight at three and a quarter million. The five, almost three million. I don't even know who that is. Then it goes down to Hannity, Fox Prime, uh, the Rachel Maddow show, which is just two million, two point two MSNBC, one point two seven. And then CNN, uh, not even a million. It's like eight hundred and something thousand, but eleven million to CNN. Right. But yet, if you're still only watching CNN, you think that's the only narrative. But what we can clearly see is that the tide is turning. Right. And so we're having to go out and get educated and informed uh, by alternative media. And there is a mass awakening happening. I know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think so helping the people in the middle zone try to navigate through what it is that they're going through. I think there's a few points of advice that I would say. Number one, allow the questioning to guide you into more questioning and don't feel ungrounded because you're questioning everything that you've lived and and your life based on, allow yourself to recognize that it's okay for a minute to feel unstable. It's okay for a minute to feel upset and frustrated and fooled. Okay. Because we've all been fooled and we've all felt fooled. And so you should feel no shame for no matter how far that you allowed your, your foolishness to go. Okay. And and that's not a bad thing because I actually believe that in order to recreate and rebuild something that's even better with more integrity uh, and more consciousness and more compassion, we need to tear down the ideals and the belief systems that are holding us hostage in the way that we are living our lives. 
And so we just like in our own mind, when we're reprogramming our belief systems from, you know, negativity to positivity or from lack to, to abundance in any way, or from sick to healthy, you know, it's the same thing. What we're doing is we're pulling up the ideals, the belief systems, the concepts that we've been told are true. And then we're questioning each and every one of them. And we're asking, well, how true is this? And what is the evidence to support this being true? And what is the evidence that supports it not being true? And then let me start sparking some questions and doing some research and having conversations. And then once I've actually put all this information in here, then I'm going to sit and I'm going to go in here and I'm going to see how it feels. And then I'm going to trust my feelings and my intuition and my instinct. And then I'm going to form my own truth. And that process is going to happen on replay every single day. And I think that's what gets you through that unstable phase of, you know, your quote unquote awakening is, is constantly questioning, evaluating new information, putting it in your own your in, own internal compass, using your instinct, your, your dialogue with like-minded people, and then move onward to the next phase. But we can't stop ourselves because we're afraid. Because what happens is, is that right now we're being over-inundated with fear. We've been over-inundated with fear the majority of our lives in existence on this planet, but it's massively intensified over the past two, two years. And so if you give in to the fear and stop questioning things, then they've, they've already won. Okay. And, and who is they? Well, that would probably be a whole other conversation for us. But I think the big thing is to recognize is that have compassion for yourself, be gentle with yourself, know that we're all in the same boat. We've all been through this in some way, shape or form. And the only way we get through this is together. And so if you see somebody who's done something that you disagree with, don't automatically assume that they are in direct opposition to you on everything that you're you're standing for. And even if they are, try to find that commonality, try to find that common difference, try to ask the right questions, try to spark the right conversation to see if you can find those moments of breakthrough. Michael, thank you so much. Beautifully said, do you have a couple of questions in your back pocket that could be some sort of aces for my listeners to pull out in a time of need? Yeah. I mean, like it, it depends on the topic, but some of the biggest stuff, and it's funny because I to like the, the vax mandates, let's just stay right there perfect. right now, because yeah. especially coming out the holidays, there's just so much polarization and so much pain happening right within immediate families and circles of friends. Yeah. Okay, great. So this is great. I had this conversation with my mom the other day and I, if my mom ends up listening to this, I love you, mom. And thank you for <laughs> having those conversations with me because it, it was really challenging for us to have those conversations a year ago, but now we've come a long way and we're mm-hmm. having these conversations. And so that's hope for everybody in the sense that there is wiggle room. The more the, the insanity ensues, the more people will see that insanity and question that insanity. So here's, here's a few questions that I think will really help. Number one, don't you find it bizarre that if you test positive for COVID, you need to isolate But if you get the flu, you don't. And if we really believe in keeping people healthy, then why aren't people who are sick with a cold or the flu having to be forced to stay away from people and not get people sick? Whereas with COVID, they're forced to isolate. Okay. Number one. Number two, with the new variants of COVID, the symptoms are virtually similar to a cold and a flu. 
So that combats the other thing was like, oh, well, millions of people have died from COVID. Well, okay, that's a whole other conversation. But right now, the symptoms that we are seeing and experiencing are very similar to a cold and flu. So if the government mandates were about keeping people healthy, then why isn't anybody with any kind of contagious sickness forced to isolate? Okay. Really? Hmm. Point. Question number one. All right. Okay. Here's another one. Like number two. All right. Number three. Number two. Two. I got another one. Okay. So we all are aware that there are early intervention and early treatments that are very effective outside of this vaccine. Some are being constantly discredited in our media, which makes zero sense at all. If the media and if public health officials in the government really cared about saving lives, okay, then why instead of welcoming into the conversation the tens of thousands of medical experts who have been treating hundreds of thousands, if not millions of patients with COVID over the past two years successfully, and the majority of the ones that I'm talking about have an over 80% effective rate of treatments, and most of them are actually 95% and higher, why are these treatments being ostracized? And why are the people who are talking about these treatments being discredited if they really care about our health and well-being, wouldn't these, dis- this, these discoveries of early interventions and treatments be a good thing? Shouldn't we all be celebrating that we've got more than one solution to stop this pandemic? Yes. So good, Michael. Isn't it so interesting how many have just lost their common sense? They have not even thought for themselves. Critical thinking does not exist for the most part. I am not judging that, by the way. Again, deep empathy for around thinking they were doing the right thing, believing in the hysteria, believing in the in the deaths by COVID, which now there's just tremendous research saying about 80, 85 percent of that could have been stopped if they'd had early treatment. Right. So it's. It's been a fascinating journey, but I know that one of the things that I, one of the questions that I ask, it's kind of a two or two for one. And it's, let me ask you something. Do you trust big pharma? Do you trust the government? And I have never heard the answer to be yes. Oh, hell no is basically what it actually ends up being. It's like, so then why are you trusting them with your medical choice? Why are you trusting them now? Exactly. Like, and, and, and so we're seeing again, a lot of people really wake up. But coming back to the whole point of why I wanted to invite you on to the show and introduce you to my listeners is because we've, we are going to do something about it, right? And so breaking the spell is breaking free from the fear matrix and then enjoying liberated living, whatever that might mean for you. It could be, I'm just not going to wear a mask unless I actually have to, like I'm on an airplane or something like that, right? Just refusing to bow and taking sovereignty one little baby step at a time. And then you empower yourself, you empower yourself, you empower yourself. But so we're going to host a masterclass. And it is exactly that, Break the Spell of Masterclass and Liberated Living. And I want to just read quickly the, the sort of byline. It's for the awakening soul ready to break free and activate the courage and conviction needed to better serve humanity. So in a nutshell, what is your end goal, your ideal outcome in terms of the transformation of our participants of this masterclass and what they're going to walk away with? Yeah, I think number one, it's to recognize that anybody right now who is on this journey of awakening from this mass hypnosis or mass form psychosis, whichever you want to call it, 
I believe is on an emotional roller coaster of some sort. Some are on these massive rides that go sky high and sky and, you know, as low as you can go. And some are, me, not gonna lie. <laughs> and some are the some are the kitty coasters that kind of stick to something like this, but whatever, whatever emotional roller coaster we're on, we're all on it. Quite frankly, I think you're probably even on the emotional roller coaster, even if you're not awakening at this point, because there's, you're, you're stuck in fear and fear will always keep you going like this. So my number one goal is to help people get off of the emotional roller coaster and to find balance and harmony in their emotional states, learn to be able to accept the emotion that they are feeling, not suppress that emotion and learn to be able to learn the message in that emotion and see the power in that emotion and not judge it and not question it and not criticize it, but also to find harmony in expressing that emotion in a more balanced and reasonable way. And then once you've been able to step off that emotional roller coaster then you're going to be more well-equipped to be able to navigate the polarization that exists right now and ask the right questions and start the right conversations and not get discouraged when people aren't willing to answer those questions or engage in that conversation, but to continue to find that courage to, to spark those conversations and see through that. My ultimate vision right now for people is to help people get off the emotional roller coaster find a cause that they align with, find their role within that cause and take empowered action upon that role. That's my ultimate, my dream, my vision. That's what I feel like I'm meant to be here right now to help support everybody else in that process. I'm so happy that you uh, just shared exactly what's on my heart as well. And, and, and I feel the same. I mean, the emotional roller coaster is real. Sometimes it feels way more intense as a female, <laughs> but I'm sure that, you know, everyone's got their moments. And the other thing for me is, is people are so afraid to speak up. They want to, they are, they're almost feeling called to, but yet they're so worried about cancel culture that looks very real from a certain angle. But I just want to remind you guys the people who are speaking up and who are courageous in whatever little way that is, it could be just a little baby step. You don't have to do it from the social media mountaintops, right? If that's not your calling, well, we want to help you hone into what's really calling you forward. So you can take that empowered step of action. And for, for many people, it's going to be locally and it's going to be right there in your, your own community, right? In whatever way that looks for you. But what I'm noticing especially after I just gave you the media report, right? The ones who are speaking out and serving truth and an opportunity for an open, honest discussion, they are having a meteoric rise. And it's just incredible to see that. But you have to take that leap of faith into the uncertainty. And remember, of course, that the certainty is always uncertain, right? And so so there's a gift inside of it and there's a strength I know from my own experience, there's a strength and a fortitude that that has empowered me where it's like, I don't have a choice but to move forward. Believe me, I wish I could pretend that I didn't know this and pretend that I didn't have this call, right? Like I, I would love to by, pull the covers over my head and say, just wake me when this thing is over because I know it's ending. Or can I, I just go back to pretending? Can I just go back <laughs> to pretending that it doesn't, that's not actually happening? Or can we just go back to the world the way it once was? Newsflash, yeah. it's never going back any which way. What we're yeah. going to co-create our new reality. So final words, Michael. I know we have slightly different takes on this, which is what I love and appreciate so much about our dynamic and partnership. How do you see all this ending, this current climate that we're in regarding the Great Reset, the Vax mandates, et cetera? 
So I, I am very strongly holding and anchoring a, a very optimistic future. And that doesn't mean that I'm naive enough to think that it's not going to be rocky and imbalanced along the way. But there, I, I'm a very logical person and I'm a very common sense person. And I, and I critically think, and I'm all about solving problems. I love when people bring me complex issues and I can break it down and, and, you know, give them simple action steps and solutions for that. So I'm optimistic. Why am I optimistic? Because every single mandate that our, that the federal government in the United States has tried to put in place has been shut down over the past three months. Okay. Why else am I optimistic? I'm optimistic because Joe Rogan gets more views on his podcast than CNN does in an entire week on all of their episodes that they're about 13 times over. Yes. Crazy. Exactly. I'm optimistic because there are millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people, dare I say, on this planet that are more aware that are questioning that their critical thinking is all of a sudden come online. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe that the more insane the mandates are like now they're trying to, you know, where I, where I'm born and raised in Canada, they're, they're pushing lockdowns on people. Again, they've now gone back into phase two lockdown and I'm seeing people who are, who ran to get their booster that are like, what the hell you're now shutting down schools and our kids have to go back online, you know, down with the government. So I'm seeing more and more people who are even were complying and complacent are now questioning more than ever. And the fact that I'm able to have an open, honest dialogue conversation with my mom about this, when a year, less than a year ago, we've had massive arguments about this. I'm optimistic. Things are changing. And it's really important that we focus on the things that are changing and not getting stuck on all the insanity and craziness that is still being imposed on us. Amen. I'm optimistic. I love that. Focus more on what's happening and the cracks in the mass psychosis of humanity than the latest fear bait click worthy headline on the mainstream media narrative that is dying. I also wanted to share something really quickly in case you're not aware. I discovered this last night from one of the channels that I follow on on Telegram, very reputable. But anyway, the number one searched term between Christmas and New Year's on Google was mass psychosis. (laughs) Yeah, the tide is turning. Now, be aware, listeners. I love you all, my family. If you Google anything, you are not going to get an accurate answer. You've got to do better research than that. We've shared, right? Brave, DuckDuckGo, and some other search engines. So immediately, and this was being shown in real time by um, several video captures, that Google literally hour over hour was editing the definition of the search results for mass psychosis. So this is serious. Censorship will fail. We're watching it happen, but I'm with you. An extremely optimistic outlook. I know the light has already won and now I'm reverse engineering. And when I'm present, embodying the future that I want to create. And so that's what we want to help to liberate each and every one of you that feels called to come to our masterclass. You can head on over to liberated-leadership.com, liberated-leadership.com. It's the masterclass sign up. You'll be taken to a, another site uh, real quick. Uh, you can sign up, meet us there. Honestly, let us serve you. Let us help break you free. Let us help you find your voice and your vision so that you're no longer frozen in fear. Any final words, my friend? Thank you so much for coming on. I would just say that obvious. it's obvious that Michelle, 
Michelle and I have a ton of information to be able to share with you. So, I mean, this 90-minute masterclass is going to be jam-packed, and I think it's just the beginning of something bigger uh, that we're going to be working on and creating. And I'm super excited to be on this journey with you, and I'm super excited to be able to work with your listeners and your tribe and your audience. And I'm very optimistic of where we're going, but we have to stick together. And I think now more than ever, finding that like-minded tribe to help support you in this process of stabilizing your emotions, finding harmony in that, getting alignment to your cause, finding your role and taking empowered action. And remember this, empowered action doesn't mean you have to go out and start a protest or even go to a protest. You know, there's so many different things that you can do and so many different roles that you can play. You don't have to be on the forefront. You don't have to be speaking about it. There are things that you can do that can help support the cause and whatever that cause is. So don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Don't tell yourself that like, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a writer. I'm not courageous enough for this. We all are, and we're all ready to live in this liberated way and and claim our sovereignty and our freedom. And we're here to support you in that process. So I really hope that you'll join us on January 17th. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And so it is. Dang. Michael, where uh, can my listeners uh, find you online? Well, I keep a pretty low profile. You can add me on Facebook. That's where I do. I know the the evil Facebook, but that's where I do most of my uh, posting. So you just add Michael Eisen on Facebook. Uh, I don't really do a lot of any other social media channels. Um, So that's kind of where you can connect to me and follow me. Yeah. And then again, for the free event, as Michelle mentioned, it's liberated-leadership.com. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate your time and I cannot wait to co-lead this masterclass with you. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.